Elizabeth Chapel, a lifelong entrepreneur who finally found my niche. After years of new ideas and jumping from business to business, I figured out how to turn a craft into a successful career. In 2016, I started a monthly subscription box for quilters. That little startup has grown into a thriving, multiple six-figure business that I am so proud of. As a published author, designer of fabrics and patterns being sold throughout the world, my favorite thing to do is to teach others how to grow a career of their dreams. Each week you'll hear from me or from other guests who are creative entrepreneurs, so you can learn exactly what to do and what not to do to grow a career that's more rewarding and successful than you ever thought possible. If you're ready to turn your craft into a career that you love, I am so excited you're here. Welcome to the Craft to Career podcast. This week, I'm excited to have Erin Kendall on the podcast. She's a surface pattern designer and a creative entrepreneur who has a lot of success. I cannot wait for you to hear just how her life has changed since opening her business and what that has looked like for her, what things she has in store because of her business career. I mean, it's, it's going to be motivating for you in the best way. And before we get started, I'm going to read a review from Chelsea of Elevation Handmade. Chelsea says, I love listening each week to get inspiration and things I can implement right away. I like getting different, fresh perspectives on business from Elizabeth and her guests each week. I look forward to listening each week. Highly recommend at elevation underscore handmade. So Chelsea, thank you so much for this review. And I think this week is going to be one of those weeks where you're going to love having this guest and getting different perspectives, motivation, and ideas for your business growth. So let's jump in and let me introduce you to Aaron from Aaron Kendall. Aaron, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being here. For our listeners, can you introduce yourself and who you are in this quilting creative preneur world? Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here too. All right. My name is Erin Kendall and I am a surface pattern designer based in Australia. I have a corporate background and I used to have a side hustle as a maker and that's how I've kind of transitioned to become a surface pattern designer. And I grew up surrounded by creativity. So my mum was a maker or a sewist and my nana used to be a quilter. Um, so quilting is very special to my heart, even though I don't have the patience for it at all, (laughs) but I love designing surface patterns for it. So yeah, it's been a really organic kind of natural journey. I had no idea what surface pattern design was and I've just kind of fallen into it and now it's completely changed my life. So tell me how, first of all, what was your corporate job and then what was the timeline? How did you morph into where you are now? Yeah, well, it's been a long and winding journey. So it, <laughs> I was working for the Australian government at the tax office. So like the IRS in, uh. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> Very uncreative job. Um, but I was like a business analyst. I had lots of roles in that in during that time. So 15 years, that's a long time. And I actually can't believe how much I draw on that experience now. You wouldn't think so, but I do. It serves me well as a business person. Okay. Um, like knowing the numbers and stuff. 
No, not at all. I actually didn't work anything to do with tax. It was more um, in IT and things like that. But I just really learned to think strategically. So that has really helped me create opportunities and and things like that on my business journey and how to like interpersonal relationships and all of those sorts of the unfun stuff. And then yeah. my natural creativity just kind of goes hand in hand with all, all that stuff that I learned there. Very cool. So how did from this corporate working for the government, you've all, it sounds like you've always been a creative, but how did you pivot to leaving that job? You know, I always wanted to do something creative. So as from a little girl, I just always felt like I was going to do something creative, but I had no idea how I was going to ever make that happen. I had a massive fear of failure in school. So I never studied art. I had a really fixed mindset. And so when I left school, I just ended up in this corporate job. And then I saw women starting up um, side hustles, essentially. So this was before Instagram. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. So we're like the same age-ish. Yeah, yeah. Same vintage. (laughs) (laughs) Fine wine. Yeah. So I started seeing these ladies going on maternity leave and I wasn't ready to have babies or anything, but they were starting up these businesses and they were kind of creative that they were making products. And I could sew a little bit. My mum had shown me how to sew when I was a little girl. Um, so I, st- I think I found a book and it was how to create little softy toys. And so I was going to the local fabric store and buying all these individual fabrics. You know, I loved all the patterns and everything and putting them all together to create these little one-off softies. It was very time consuming, but this was my only way that I could see out of the corporate world. Anyway, during that time, I found Spoonflower and that I could print my own fabric, which absolutely just blew my mind that I could get just one yard of fabric. So I ordered my fabric and I got all my sizing wrong And I ended up with these tiny little owls and I turned them into rattles. Anyway, they sold really well, but very time consuming making. And that's kind of how I then transitioned into surface pattern design. But all of that took about 10 years, just trying to find my way. I had three years off during that time when I just went um, MIA, just went missing. I did nothing creative. And then, yeah, came back to it. Instagram was going off with businesses on it and it had just completely changed. I kind of had to play a bit of, bit of catch up, but I was just determined to always get rid of this corporate job and create a creative life basically. And I was able to make it happen. That's amazing. So were you always drawing like for you to find Spoonflower and be like, Oh, I'm going to submit my own fabric. Like there's a huge step there that I would have been like, that'd be cool. But how do I do that? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, iPads weren't a thing I had taken early on. Um, not too long after leaving school, I was speaking to some friends who had gone to university and studied graphic design. So I was too scared to do any of that. Um, and she taught me about a short course at a local college here, like just a night course, three hours a week. And I learned how to use Photoshop. And then there were two, the last two weeks, she taught us how to use Illustrator. This was in 2003. So this was a very old Illustrator. And so I was using the pen tool and stuff. And I didn't know how to use half the tools, but I was able to, I'm a really good hacker. I can kind of get things to where I need them to be 
not always the most efficient way, but I was able to get the job done and create some kind of illustrations. I had no clue how to create a repeating pattern, but I was just creating these little illustrations that I would then, they were basically cut and sew projects. So I'd have okay, like gotcha. the, the seam allowance and everything. And yeah. yeah. And now though, you have since learned, I mean, you design fat. Well, tell us now all of the different sources of revenue. Actually, no, before we go on to that, I did want to ask, I, you know, you said that you were afraid to take this class. Why? Tell me more about that. Yeah. I just, I don't know why, but I just really suffered a fear of failure just with everything growing up. So I never studied art at school, like I said, and, you know, I loved art, but I couldn't bring, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to come up with the final big project. So I'm worrying about all these things way in the future, instead of just taking step by step to progress. And yeah, I was even like that as when I was a little girl starting school, I didn't want to go because I didn't know how to learn. I didn't know how to read and write. My parents were like, that's where you go. <laughs> that's so interesting. So you've always mm. wanted to just like be really good at something right off the bat. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Somehow without even learning it. So I've finally, over time, I managed just as I got older and wiser, I managed to realize I, I have to be vulnerable in order to, and, and be willing to make some mistakes if I want to create a life that's different to what everyone, or, you know, to what people generally do, you know, you go and stay in one job for until you retire. And yeah, I just thought, if I want to change my life, I have to change my thinking. And I started to develop this growth mindset as I started to practice being vulnerable and having good things happen. And yeah, I just really had to grow as a person to go out and start learning. So I ended up teaching myself off YouTube, some really bad tutorials on YouTube on how to create <laughs> a repeating pattern, but I did it. And yeah, I just started uploading to Spoonflower and making my designs public and then having people buy them and then seeing money coming in without me actually swapping my time for money. So passive income. I was, I just thought, wow, <laughs> I need to pursue this. And yeah. Awesome. Well, and I love that you touch on the mindset because so much of a business is in your mindset. And so many things that hinder people are fear. And it looks like so, you know, different for everybody. But what helped you just decided just do the thing, even though it's scary, I'm just going to give it a try. Or like, how, what helped you kind of get over that? Yeah, I think that was really, it. I actually can't say what it was. But even I mean, my fear was so big, I didn't even learn to drive until I was 25. So I was scared to fail everything, not just yeah. creating stuff. Um, yeah, I just think I really just got to this point where, yeah, if I want to change my life, I've got to start just having, I, I always say having a crack, just have a go and see what happens. And yeah, I think I got some good positive feedback of good things happening. And I thought, well, I just need to keep practicing and just keep persisting and doing this. If this is what I really want, I have to put the fear aside and be brave and courageous. And you're absolutely right. And I really attribute mindset and visualization as well. So I've just taught a masterclass on that actually. Mindset, yeah, mindset and visualization, because I think that aside from drawing skills, they have really um, propelled, been what has propelled my career because I'm not, 
I'm not creating masterpieces. I am not an exceedingly talented drawer or painter or anything like that. It's really been mindset and visualization and being clear on goals and just going for it. Ah, I love that. So where did you teach this masterclass? I feel like I'm drawn to you for this reason. Like I'm very, very big into the woo as we call it, you know, but all of this mindset and everything. So where did you teach this masterclass? Uh, So I was an affiliate for Bonnie Christine's Immersion this year. Yeah, yeah. So I offer one-on-one coaching as one of the incentives to sign up with me as an affiliate. And then the uh, group coaching call this year, I thought I really want to do a masterclass on mindset because I feel like too many designers really focus on, I've got to craft my skills, you know, my, my, my drawing skills. And I'm, I'm just like, oh, that is just such a small part of being an entrepreneur in any industry. And now that I've kind of hit this point, I read stories of other entrepreneurs and I sit there going, yes, yes. And they're talking about mindset and, and the universe and I'm like, yes. And I am not, I'm a very pragmatic person. Like you said, the whole woo of it. Some people might listen to this and just go, uh-huh. But yeah, I'm a real. real. Yeah, yes. it really is. It really is. Like there is power. I mean, when I talk about it with people who are very scientific and matter of fact, I'm like, let's bring it to the most common denominator. Have you ever walked in a room and you have no idea what people have said, but you can feel something's off here? Or you walk in a room and you're like, ooh, this is fun and exciting. There's an energy out there, you know, and like (laughs) people who attract or surround themselves with the success energy, it's forward motion, you know? So that's getting woo there, but I, there it's real. Like I, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And it can snowball yeah. into once you start um, giving into it or yeah, just kind of being open to it, it can all snowball because yeah, what you, what you think about and what you put out there, that's what you attract. One of my, I've got a pessimistic friend and I'm a pragmatic optimist. She's a pessimist, but we're still friends. And she always goes, oh, the universe provides again for Erin. And as a bit of a joke, because all these things, all these amazing things come to fruition for me. But I refuse to say I'm so lucky because I've absolutely worked for this and, and you know, visualized it and made it happen. It's all been a process. Yeah, absolutely. And back to like... People who just work on their craft, you know, becoming the best artist that they can and making their art. Like even my husband this last weekend, we were out of town and I was telling him my favorite drawings for my fabric is when I take a photo of a flower and I bring it on my iPad and trace it. He was like, what? I feel like you're cheating. I was like, really? And I was like, well, so I went on to explain it. But that, I mean, no, I'm not spending forever honing my artistic skills, you know, which is, I'm not saying right or wrong, but even with a business, like letting go of certain things, hiring other people, like I don't even make a ton of quilts right now. I will design a pattern. I'm even getting to the point where I might hire some ghostwriters to do things like you can, you're needed for just certain things in your business and the rest you can let go and that will help you grow more. But if you're focusing all your time on this thing, you know, it can really hinder your, your success as a business owner. Yeah, absolutely. And, but being an artist is also about vision. It's not just about the literal drawing. So you taking a photo, uh, you know, you've got a vision there and some people, some people aren't creative and they just don't have 
that vision. So yeah, that's part of being artistic as well. Definitely. Right. Well, and I feel like <laughs> defensive of myself, but yeah. for what I said, I was like, well, the hardest part I think in fabric design is taking those patterns and making a repeat, putting everything in the right proportion, picking the right colors, especially for quilting, making it the right, you know, scale. Uh, so I was like, yeah. trust me, honey, it's more than just the, you know, the drawing, even though I'm not bad at that either. Yeah. But, <clears throat> that's me getting like defensive. About yeah. my, Wait a minute. <laughs> so, okay. You... Are, tell me all the different sources of revenue that you have. And and I'm very curious, has this surpassed or like been able to replace your other job? Is this a lucrative career for you? Oh my goodness, 100%. So I've been doing this for um, how long now? Like four-ish years. So mm-hmm. I quit my job in 2020, so fully resigned and I was able to resign my partner as well. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, more than I, you know, I talk about visualization and yeah, I, I, it's surpassed anything that I had really thought that it could. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's absolutely, it's, and we were both on pretty good money considering, um, but just X'd that so many times. And the most incredible thing is there's no ceiling to what you can earn. So it's really exciting being a creative entrepreneur like this and, and all the different income streams that we can create. So I'm a surface pattern designer creating repeating patterns that I upload predominantly to Spoonflower, but then other POD retailers as well, print on demand retailers. So I've got designs with Hawthorne and Carriage House Printery, Little Coke Calico, a few others. Um, so that's how I make my money with my literal surface pattern designing. And even that is enough for one income, like to replace the job that I was doing. And then I have, um, I have online education. So I've got one course so far and I've got a membership, which is quite new and I'm just loving that sick right now. <laughs> it's just Yay. so up my alley. I really love teaching and, and I, I feel like I need to pay it forward. I'm so grateful to have been able to get rid of that corporate career that I don't feel it's fair for me to just enjoy, enjoy what I'm doing. I want to help others do exactly the same thing. So the membership's helping me do that. And then I create digital mock-ups, which I want to do a lot more of when we my kids are currently homeschooled, so we only we don't have a lot of time at the moment, but they're about to go to school and we're going to focus more on creating mock-ups because designers, we love mock-ups. We always want new ones. Uh, what else do I do? And we have a downloadable print store. I think that's all my income streams. It's kind of hard to um, keep track of. There's kind of little bit of bits of money coming in everywhere and some of it's quite small and I think, well, well that pays the milk and bread this week. Yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, and also, it um, up. yeah, it does. It really does. And also, um, being an affiliate for courses that I really believe in and yeah, wish that I had have known about when I started. So I'm really keen to help people make an inroad way quicker than I did. Like I said, 10 years of flailing around wondering how to create this creative career. Not everyone has to take 10 years. There are, there are faster routes into it. So I'm curious what you cover in your membership. Who like who's an ideal person for your membership? 
Yeah. So it's really niched down to becoming a, what I call a power seller on spoon flour, because that is, I used spoon flour to literally launch my surface pattern design career. Um, that's where I made all the money that allowed me to quit my jobs. So yeah, I just feel like I kind of did it, not in, I wouldn't say in a unique way, but um, basically I read a story about a designer doing it and and that she was making six figures on there and that just absolutely blew my mind and that's when I thought I really need to focus on this and, I yeah, I've got all these skills from my from working in web design and things at the tax office and I was just able to kind of methodically go about it to build my audience and start making consistent sales monthly. And so now with the benefit of hindsight, you know, I had to figure all this out from scratch and try things and have things not work and just, yeah, no idea what I'm doing. But now I can reflect back on all that and clearly teach people and guide people through the process because selling on print on demand, any print on demand, but especially spoon flour, it's such a different process than pitching for licensing. And so I can just really break all that down for people and just take them through step by step. And it's just been so amazing. I'm just loving it. And I'm getting really great feedback about it from members. And it's just, just warms my heart, almost makes me teary. And I'm not a big teary person, but I'm just so thankful to have this platform where I can share this. Well, and I'm curious, well, it sounds your motivation. So clearly you wanted to leave your corporate job, but it sounds like there's so much more in your heart. Like right now you found success and you want other people, but what would you say, like, what's your measurement of success right now? What, what drives you? Yeah. So it's success is subjective, isn't it? And for me, it's like the money is nice, but it wasn't my only driver my driver and my partners, we just wanted to work for ourselves, do something creative and not have to go to work Monday to Friday, set alarms, stuff like that. So time freedom, location freedom, that is success to us. And we were willing to live on tinned food to do that and work 80 hours a week. So when I started, when we were making this transition, I was doing some things that we're swapping time for money and the time I was spending wasn't worth the money I was getting, but it was still aligned with my goal of working as a creative entrepreneur. So I was willing to do that. So I call that a stepping stone. So I had these stepping stones and yeah, so really that is that, that success to me is having, not having to set an alarm, working from wherever I want and whenever I want, like you just can't beat that. And yes, money does allow that but I would have still been putting in lots of hours and living a reduced kind of lifestyle if that's what required, if that's what it required. But I'm lucky that it didn't go that way. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm curious to chat more from a business angle with your membership. What is your platform? Is it like Kajabi or Podia? Kajabi, okay. I'm on Kajabi. Um, Yeah, and I I took Stu McLaren's membership experience because I just had no idea. So I actually took it two years ago. Oh, no, I took it in yeah, 2021, I think. Um, but I didn't actually take it at that time. I watched a bit of it. And I just I just kind of had this foresight that I think I want to do a membership at some time, but I was scared because, you know, what am I going to serve to people each month and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, and then at some stage I knew that I wanted to teach 
what I'd done on Spoonflower and it was always going to be a course. And then I just realized a course is not the right platform for teaching what's going on with Spoonflower because, you know, Shutterfly's bought them and they've got all these changes coming in. So the membership allows me to be more responsive to those changes. You know, when they do an announcement like closing the Durham factory, I was able to go into the membership and do a whole kind of, here's my take on this. Here's what we're not going to do. Here's what we are going to do. And we were kind of all in it together and all kind of guiding all the all this change together. So, yeah, that's what I really love about the membership. But, yeah, it's on Kajabi. I drop a lesson a week. I'm in the community speaking with members. Um, at the moment it's just me. I'll probably hire someone else to kind of help me with getting back to comments and managing the admin a bit. But at the moment it's okay with just me and I just really want to love on these members um, in the beginning just really getting it, getting it all up and going. I need to know all the ins and outs before I kind of outsource anything. But yeah, yeah, I love being in there. So, and so one lesson a week, do you go live with them face to face? Um, Is it like a face recording lesson or what does the lesson look like? Yeah. So um, I do do live Q and A's, but that would be one lesson for a week then. Otherwise lessons are pre-recorded and I might have a slide deck with you know, using Loom where there's like me in a little bubble on the slide deck talking, talking through it. Uh, some lessons are written, um, but then I like to record an audio for the written lessons because I hate reading. So <laughs> I prefer to listen. So I, I kind of create an audio book for those lessons. So lots of different formats. And I'm really conscious of, you know, these people, they have outside obligations. They've got families, they've got jobs, they don't have heaps of time. So I'm just trying to provide lessons in formats that really help them stay on top of learning without feeling like it's a ball and chain for them to come in and learn. And then this really beautiful community has blossomed in there. And I, I, you know, I provided the platform for that, but I really attribute that to just having really wonderful people join and who are really open and supportive of each other. And again, yeah, that's just always brought tears to my eyes sometimes because that's not, you know, I'm not in there telling people how they have to be. It's just really heartwarming to have had the right people join with the right attitudes and just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's just really lovely to, to watch. Again, I think, well, you know, I think it's the energy that you put out, like you're going to attract your people, you know? And so I love that when I see my audience, I'm like, oh, I really like these people. Oh, well, you know, I guess because they came because, you know, I'm attracting these people, you know? So yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I agree. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain on this question because I, and you'll, you'll know this too. Sometimes people will say like, well, you've had a lot of success, but the market's oversaturated or like, is there really room for me to earn that kind of money doing this? And what do you say to that? Yeah, I hear that all the time, all the time. And, you know, I could have said the same thing when I started and I'm so glad that I put blinkers on and just focused, right, how am I going to do this? I'm not going to look at what everyone else is doing because that's going to put me off and I'm just not going to pursue it. And I wouldn't have this amazing life that I have now. So yeah, even with um, selling downloadable prints on Etsy and stuff like that, you don't look at 
what everyone else is doing. You go in with a positive mindset, you visualize what you want to achieve, and then you take steps to achieve that. So I, before I became a top seller, you know, I I started where everyone else starts. I started with nobody knowing who I was, with no designs listed and nothing for sale. So we all start from the same point. And like I said, it was me reading someone else's story saying that they were earning six figures. Now I could have read that and gone, oh, she's already earning six figures. There's no chance for me. I'm too late. There's already people doing that. But instead I read that and switched it around and went, oh, she's doing it. I can do it too. Yes. I love that's that. The mindset switch. There's fixed mindset and that's the growth mindset switch of, right. What's the, it's not a positive spin. I don't want to say that, but yeah, there are ways that you can choose to look at things. You can either choose to be defeated and never pursue it and keep living a life that perhaps is not your dream life, or you can use that as motivation and inspiration and go, right, well, if this person's done it, they've, what they've done is proven that it can be done. So I came on to the, I came on to Spoonflower when there were already people on there making a living. And I just kind of muscled my way in there as well. And, you know, Spoonflower, they spend a lot of money on marketing. They are interested in bringing more and more people to their site. They're not just resting on their laurels and saying, well, we only have this finite number of people to sell to. No, they want to keep making more money too. So yeah, there's, there's definitely, definitely room. I do not believe that it's oversaturated. Still, not every consumer out there knows what Spoonflower is. So there are still more consumers to find and market to and to send to the platform. I love it. I just love it. That growth mentality of, because I've seen it, well, and I've experienced both, you know, I've seen, and I've said before, I took Bonnie Christine's immersion course, her very first time she ever released it. And what the biggest thing for me from that course, besides the skills that I learned in Adobe was me sitting back and thinking, wait a minute, she charged how much? And there's how many students? Oh my gosh, I could do something like this too. Like that's possible for me, you know, and that's changed my life, you know, my business life. So and rather than, because you could, you could think, oh, that's crazy that I could never do that, or that's already filled, or I don't even know. There's just so many fears, which is why I asked at the beginning, tell me more about this fear of yours of not wanting to jump in, because there are so many fears that hold people back. What advice do you have? Because it sounds like you mentor students as well. What are some attributes or things that you see people do that helps push them forward and have growth and success? Yeah, I really think, again, it just all comes back to mindset um, and just really remaining positive. So yeah, there are, the, there are the main two routes you can go down. You can go down, oh, this is all too hard. Everybody's already so much further ahead of me. Or you can look at it and go, well, they started where I started. You know, we could all look at Bonnie who started 12 years ago at, at you know, it was a different world then, but you know, there are people still doing it and making it happen now. I'm five years ago. If you had have told me, I would have been doing this. I'm about to move to my family to Portugal. Are you seriously? Design, yeah. Wow. But five years ago, I was still working for the government. You know, I had nobody has a crystal ball. We never know how our life might change or what's possible. But if you don't take any steps to do it, you know, the it's the people who are out there consi- being consistent. You've got to be consistent, persistent, vulnerable. You've just got to, and belief, self-belief, I think, has been has also played such a big part. 
Um, and yeah, I really just love using myself as an example because I am just so regular. You know, I had this office job for 15 years. I'm not an amazing drawer or anything like that, but I keep learning and I feel like every collection I do gets better and I've found what my strengths are and I that's what I use. And I think that's anyone who succeeds plays to their strengths. So I'm very personable. I'm good at building relationships. That's my strength. Maybe the art and design is your strength, but you're going to have to market it and find the people who are going to buy it. You know, that's, I, I always just say that the art and the design, it's just such a small percentage. I keep saying the same things, but it's just all so true. It's I know, so, right? <laughs> you need to like say it to make it sink in. And I mean, reflecting back on the whole saturation thing and how, um, how you've got to kind of think differently. You know, I was, when I started selling on Spoonflower and I was watching the same designers get promoted over and over again in the magazine. And I was thinking, how is anyone else ever going to, um, you know, make a living selling on this platform? How am I ever going to get my design seen if Spoonflower won't share them? But, and then again, I just had this epiphany of, well, actually Spoonflower doesn't owe me anything to make my career happen. I have to make it happen. And then eventually I did things and I became one of those people. You know, I'd written many emails in my head to Spoonflower complaining about sharing the same people. Uh, I knew not to send them. Right, right. <laughs> you thought them, yeah. So. Yeah, but I thought them. But, but then, yeah, then I had that mindset shift and that's when everything changed and I became one of those people that I was seeing all the time. So, yes, okay. Because. Changed. I've seen even in the quilting industry, right? There's like certain quilt pattern designers that get shared all across the board. And I could see other people being like, what? Or someone who's very successful comes out with a pattern that's pretty ho-hum, but it's very popular because they're popular. And I'm like, let's first of all, congratulate them and look at why have they been successful? Because the businesses that are promoting them, they have an invested interest. They want to earn money. So they are promoting the people who are successful. So what can you do to be attractive? You know, how can you make yourself rather than sending a nasty email or whatever it might be and make yourself attractive. So these companies want to showcase you, you know, exactly. which I'd love. Well, actually, did you, is there anything you want to say on that before? I? Um, yes. Yeah, so that was part of my realization. I had to realize, hang on, Spoonflower is a business. And when you, when you analyze this, what's happening here with a strategic vision, Spoonflower is a business. It makes sense for them to promote the people who make them money. So they're going yep. to keep promoting their top sellers. And to be fair, Spoonflower does actually share hundreds of other designers, different designers. It's just that you start to recognize the same ones. So you start to kind of focus in on that. But yes, mm -hmm. strategically and from a business sense, it makes complete sense. And honestly, if they didn't do that, then we should all be worried. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And then they wouldn't be doing well if they, you That's know. That's right, exactly. Yeah, and it's, the real, it's realizing that nobody owes you anything and you've got to make stuff happen. I love that so much. Oh, I love that. Okay, so with this mentality of no one owes me anything, what, what kind of tips would you have for spelling, selling on Spoonflower? It's a bit of a tongue twister. It is, yeah. <laughs> selling on Spoonflower, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so as I said earlier, selling on print on demand is completely different to pitching. So you need to, for one, there's just not as many rules. And that's what I love about Spoonflower. I, I don't, I don't like to work within lots of rules 
And I see, because I do have a lot of coaching sessions with people, I see the same things come up and quite often designers will start putting all these rules on ourselves. So um, Spoonflower, you don't have to create in collections for one thing. You know, there's a lot of freedom. If you just want to create one kind of design and upload that, you can. It's also really forgiving for designing early on in your career where you're just um, figuring out your design style. You might not have a signature style yet. You can still put those designs on Spoonflower. So I had um, a company reach out and just license one of my designs from 2018, which was one of my very first repeating patterns ever. And I've made hundreds of dollars on it now licensing it. And I didn't go and take it down off Spoonflower. It's not in my signature style anymore, but it doesn't matter because the way Spoonflower works, it's basically a search engine for patterns. So it's like somebody going to Google, they go straight to Spoonflower and start searching on there. And they, you know, they only need to see one of your designs and maybe they'll buy that. Um, so yeah, not too many rules. You can create lots of different colorways. You don't just have to have collections in two colorways. You can go colorway crazy. And I love creating lots of colors because also Spoonflower is partly a numbers game. So obviously the more designs you have uploaded, the more chances you've got of making a sale. Um, another tip that I have is trends. So not everyone wants to follow trends and there are different ways that you can kind of incorporate trends, whether it's just a color that's on trend, but maybe your design style isn't what's on trend, but you can still make it on trend by incorporating a color. That's what people are shopping for. You know, if, if you want to be a power seller on Spoonflower, bringing in a really good monthly income, you probably need to adopt trends into your design somehow to make lots of sales because that's the, the name of the game. You know, you only do get a small commission on each yard that's sold or, or actually wallpaper commissions can be in the hundreds. Um, but, yeah, you need to take that into consideration. What people are shop- what are people shopping for? That You kind of need to tune into that. And then having a niche does help bring in monthly sales. Um, yeah, I mean, I still I have a main niche that I design for but I really enjoy lots of different design styles. So again, I don't place all these rules on myself. I will go and do some watercolor designs, which are probably more suited to wallpaper and homes and interiors. Now that's not my niche, but I still make sales on those things, even though I don't market them. So that's, that comes down to another thing with Spoonflower is making your designs searchable. So they need to have what we call metadata. So searchable keywords, titles, and descriptions. And that's why I make sales on those things that I don't ever market. Hmm. And how do you know what's trending? Do you do you subscribe to the trend Bible? Well, the cool thing, again, about Spoonflower is you don't actually have to forecast trends because it's print on demand. You can literally uh, design something on a Monday and it could be live on the Friday for sale on the website. You can be down the shops and just looking around and going, oh, I keep seeing this color popping up. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be responsive. I don't need to forecast 18 months out. You know, you can be responsive and dynamic with your designs or you can even just recolor an existing design in a color that you see pop up at the shops over and over again or in brochures or any sort of advertising. Yeah, it's really great not having to subscribe to these trend forecasts because they're thousands and thousands of dollars. So that's the other great thing about selling on Spoonflower is you don't have these big overheads of running a business. 
And it's instantaneous. Like right now, yeah. I see a ton of crochet, 70s, very retro. Yeah. And if I go and submit that to Art Gallery Fabrics, it comes out, you know, when that's probably going to be passed a little bit. So Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to be responsive and dynamic is really exciting. So what would you say your niche is if you had to describe it? Yeah, well, I started out trying to think that my niche, I wanted to do home interiors. Um, okay. I don't know why. I just thought that that <laughs> made me more a, le- a more legit surface pattern designer. Again, all these weird rules and thoughts that we have sometimes. <laughs> anyway, it's just not what came out of me. So one of my favorite designers is Holly Zollinger, and she's just, I just love everything that she does, and it's all home and interiors. And I'm like, oh, I want to be like Holly Zollinger. No, I am, that just does not come out of me. Babies and kids is what comes out of me. That is my niche. And when I finally lent into that and just let these designs come out of me, because I feel like, do you feel sometimes um, as a as an artist or a creative, we don't always have control over what comes out of us. We're kind of just a vessel and, and because I will set out to create something and then something completely different will actually come out of me. And I think, yeah, well, that's nice. It's not yep. what I planned, but <laughs> that was meant to be apparently. Because exactly. I- <laughs> yes, I was trying to design this, and yeah, but yeah, babies and kids. So I finally just again just realized why am I fighting this? So one of my one of my sayings is choose the path of least resistance. Don't try and force things to happen, and it just makes it it so much easier. And kind of all these opportunities will then open up, and you know the whole universe and everything. So. It makes sense. I've got two little boys, babies and kids. That's what I'm deep in now. It's my season in my home. Lean into it. I've got plenty of time to change my niche down the track if I want to. So it was just accepting. Stop trying to force things. I love that too, knowing that it's okay to change your niche. Because I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. people are like, but I don't want to pigeonhole myself forever. It's like, you don't have to. You can change, you know. I am a perfect example of that. Like, you just pivot. Yeah. And yeah, best part about, that. you know, we're, it's our own business. We're our own boss. What we say, you know, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> yep. What's well, a beautiful thing. And Portugal, I did, that's so cool. How did you decide on Portugal? Uh, well, it was going to be Bali and then my partner's been doing all the research. So I didn't actually decide on Portugal. He found Portugal and yeah, they've, they're really interested in getting, there's like a whole list of professions that they want to move there and designer is one of them. And they've got um, like this special visa. So one is a digital nomad visa and one's a passive income visa that you can go there on. Um, Yeah. And there's quite a few surface pattern designers there. Elizabeth Olwyn, she's in Portugal. I didn't know that when we were first going to go. And then when I announced it, I had all these surface designers reach out to me in Portugal and they're saying, if you need any help. And it's just been so so amazing. Someone in my membership has just moved there. No way. You'll have like a whole little community of friends there. Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. That is really cool. So are you going to come to the States for any, anything? Uh, I want to. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So in one, I think it's only seven hour flight to my, I've got terrible geography. (laughs) (laughs) Only a seven hour flight to one side of the States. Yeah, East Coast probably. Yeah, we went actually to Portugal on our honeymoon. It's very oh, right. lovely. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, we're going to Lisbon. So. That's where we were. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. We'll chat more about that later. <laughs> um, so I am curious, too. Do you have contracts with other companies? So Wallpaper, is that through Spoonflower as well? Yeah, so Wallpaper, um, 
Yes, Spoonflower does fabric, wallpaper, and home decor. And then I do some licensing with generally with smaller brands, which I love. You know, I have this thing where everyone says, <laughs> so many designers are like, oh, I want to license with anthropology. And I think, oh, <laughs> because licensing <laughs> with small businesses, um, you know, handmade businesses and things, they are just so lovely to work with. And they really um, appreciate you as a designer and it's it's really like a collaboration and I just love it so much. And maybe it's because I used to be a maker so I've got like this affinity of, yeah, it's still a connection and still a connection with customers and, and I've got that whole line of sight and, and it's just so easy to license. They're just such a breeze. Um, and then I've worked with some bigger companies and they've been a lot harder to <laughs> to work with and yeah. they try and make you really justify your price and everything. And I think, oh, um, but yeah, so people generally approach me for licensing and then I do sell wallpaper through another site and yeah, they just, they approached me. I haven't really done any pitching. I've pitched to just a couple, a few kind of smaller brands when I started out just through Instagram, but I haven't pitched to any big companies yet, but maybe one day down the track, you know, I've still got that opportunity open to me and that excites me as well. But yeah, I do some royalty based kind of stuff, but I don't have anything exclusive. That's not part of my business plan. Yeah. Which brings me to the next question. What do you see in the future for you, Aaron Kendall? But what, yeah. Is it Aaron Kendall? Is that like the name of your business? Yeah. So that's my brand, Aaron Kendall. Um, it's my first and my middle name. There's just so many opportunities right now. I'm I'm just really focused on my membership and I'm going to open that up, I think twice a year. Um, and what I love most is I haven't even really had to promote this. It's just, um, you know, getting your brand to a level and positioning yourself as an expert, um, has just helped with the whole, the whole thing and just building all these relationships and everything. Um, yeah, just, <laughs> I guess I didn't even have that on the cards for this year. So <laughs> it's really, <laughs> Who knows? Honestly, who knows uh, right. what is going I'll be in Portugal. Um, who knows? I think one day I'd love to do a retreat because... I was going to say, I hope you host a retreat there. That's yeah, so like cool. Australia, it's just so isolated from everywhere. I really haven't even let myself think about the opportunities that can come from being based in Europe and just being able to travel to so many countries so much easier. You know, it takes 23 hours to get there from Australia so I won't be hopping home very often, right. but I'm yeah. super keen to to go back to the, I've only been to New York, uh, you know, I'm super keen to go back to the US and to travel all around Europe and just oh, meet, so cool. have the opportunity, opportunity to meet people and yeah. yeah, I've already got coffees lined up in Portugal. <laughs> that is so cool. So when do you move? How, how long? Uh, well, I'm or? trying to apply for my visa. I applied for it in writing and then they said, oh, you've got to do it online. We're like, but you told us in writing. <laughs> the Portugal bureaucracy is really next level weird. Um, <laughs> our kids are enrolled in school to start at the start of September. We've already leased an apartment because you need to lease something for 12 months before you can even apply. We were hoping to get there uh, start of August, but you don't, just don't know how long the, the visa application takes because bureaucracy but mm, this year, okay. this year, yes, I, this I year. really want to be there before the kids are meant to start school because I want them to start with everyone else. But it's kind yeah. of up to us You'll as see. soon as yep. we can. Okay. Well, this has been so fun chatting with you. If my listeners want to find you, where is the best place to find you? 
uh, Instagram. I'm hanging out on Instagram all the time. So it's just Erin underscore underscore Kendall with one L. Um, otherwise, my website, erinkendall.com. And that's about it, really. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me. It was really, it was really fun. Erin, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I loved chatting with you. And it's just so fun. If you haven't seen her Instagram, you'll have to go check it out because you can see how her niche just comes out in such a fun way and in her designs and what she's spoken about, how you don't have to be a master artist to have great success. It's really more about the mindset and you'll have to check out her mock-ups. Those are really cool. So Erin, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this episode with Erin, go ahead and leave a review for the podcast. It is super helpful for the longevity of the podcast and it will help other creative entrepreneurs find the podcast. So thank you for being here on the Craft a Career podcast. We'll see you next Friday with a brand new episode.